Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and the topic of our podcast today is Arsenic Annie. Serial killer Anna Marie Hahn. Um, it's a local story here in. She was um, did her dastardly deeds here in the Cincinnati area back in the 1930s. This is our second local story back to back. We had done Pearl Bryan, which was also a local story. You know, we cannot compete with Florida, so. Well, that's true. We have to, yeah, we have to go go back into our history to find. Um, kind of... Uh, anything to compete with Florida. Anything to compete with Florida. Let me introduce uh, my co-host today. She's a very lovely and talented, feel-popping, penis-loving, sings dirty little secret, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm good, Timmy. I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Of course, the colonel couldn't be here. Now, he had asked that... He's gallivanting. Well, he's on vacation, but he had asked wow. that I make a statement that he was working in the slums of Calcutta helping leopards. But, leopards? Uh, yeah. I didn't know a lot of those lived in Calcutta. Well, or I, in the slums. Well, apparently he is in not in Calcutta at all, but no. on Lake Michigan. And yeah, he's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, Kenosha, Wisconsin. So um, he'll be back next week. So uh, we may get through this podcast in under three hours today. We could. Now yeah. I can tell some stories. I know that's okay. If you need me to. No, that's a quite all right. Uh, but I would okay. like for you to give some shout-outs if you don't mind. Some shout-outs? Well, the big one I want to give, actually the, the one I want to give right now, is to um, Alicia. Yes, definitely. Um, well, there's two. Um Alicia uh, was in a bit of an accident, and just everybody, um, you know, send her some send her some good vibes. Yes. She was hurt. Um, her husband was hurt, and the gentleman driving the car, uh, the other car, was hurt. Um, so it sounded like a pretty serious accident, and I just want to. I just everybody should just kind of send her. You know, I'm sure she's she's kind of laid up and. Yeah. I'm sure she can use all the love she can get. Yes. So, Alicia, get better. Chip, hang in there. Yes. Um, so, you know, she, I'm glad we can do a podcast. Maybe it'll take her mind off of it for an hour or so. Yes. It'll be several hours if you know who was here rambling, but I, at, well, least, clearly. at least an hour. Yes. Okay. And, um, you know, Tiffany, mm-hmm. um, 
thinking of her. I know she's past couple weeks have been rough for her, so just been thinking about her and hoping everything goes right. And um, we've got some new listeners to the page, so if you see if you see those pop up, Tim. Tim always welcomes the new listeners, so if you see that pop up... Yeah, and that's um, on the History of Dreams, the podcast group on yes. Facebook. If you haven't joined that group yet, join us because we interact there, and uh, it's a pretty fun group of people. Yeah, so send them, and you see that, you know, welcome people in to the fold because sometimes we are we are intimidating as we a are. group. We are. I think, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, to, outs- to, to people not used to us, we could be. We could be. Uh, Miss Celine is getting ready to. Um, she's bought a house. Yes, congratulations. So Celine. she's getting ready to do that, and you know, and everybody's kids are starting back to school, which is great for everyone. Yeah, and your son is starting to school. He did. He started kindergarten yesterday. He didn't have to take his knife in yesterday, so he we didn't were happy. Knife? Well, you know, he had requested one. I didn't know. That. Yeah, he he. Uh, I told him we were shopping for school supplies. He wanted to know if if we were going to get him a knife. Um, that seems a fair question. Uh, well, you know, sometimes you just got to shake a bitch on the playground, I guess. I don't, you know, so... At least he didn't ask for an assault rifle. No, 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 no. That's, he's, that's first grade, I guess. He, well, he's going old school, old school, the yeah. sneak and shank. So yeah. he's doing it, you know, but he I, he walked, you know, I took the day off in case there was anything that went amiss. And yeah, evidently he, he got off, got out of the daycare's vehicle and walked into school like he owned it. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, that will, that'll be good until he realizes he has to do that every day. You know, he's excited to go. I mean, but he's in kindergarten, so well, you get they naps, do a lot of, they do a lot of playing. And you get juice. He gets no naps, but they did, I guess, have cookies. Oh, so you can okay. be bought. Yeah. Fairly cheaply. Chips Ahoy will get him just about to do anything he wanted to do. So I have some shout-outs. Uh, Alicia and Chip, like you said, they're, um, uh, as you know, they're very kind to us. They're our sponsors on Patreon, as well as Cindy Lou and Bridget and Jahara. We thank all of you for sponsoring us. If you would like to sponsor us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash historydweeps, and um, you can sign up there. We would certainly appreciate it. It helps cover the cost of, of the podcast. We have very pretty thank you cards to send everyone. Yes, we do. For those of you who support us. Uh, and uh, But for those of you who don't support us on Patreon, we love you anyway. Thank you for listening. Because, um, you know, we love the fact that uh, you guys are, you listen, you're active on the page. It makes it fun for us because uh, we probably would have given this thing up by now if it wasn't for you guys yeah. being as active as you are on the page. So, if you again, if you haven't been active on the History Dweebs podcast uh, group, please join us on Facebook. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my mom since the colonel's not here and to... Lady Beverly. Always. Always Lady Beverly. Thank you all for listening. Um, and with that, unless you have any more shout-outs, I'll get right into the story. No, we... No. No. Let's get into the story, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> let's talk about Arsenic Annie. All right. Anna Marie Hahn was a 26-year-old immigrant from Germany. She related to Jessica. I don't think so. so okay. Jessica Hahn? I don't think so. Um, she was a 26-year-old immigrant from Germany who
who uh, offered her services to gentlemen in the Cincinnati area as a live-in attendant, mostly for elderly men. I was going to say, is that like air quotes? Air quotes are no. I think she would. Well, kind of. I mean, it seems like throughout this process, she was uh, she she would uh, she claimed to be a nurse uh, back in Germany, which she wasn't. But um, it, it, I think it was a combination of uh, caretaker slash caretaker, if you know what I mean. Gross. Uh, she was flirtatious with the men. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, and she was, you know, she was quite, I mean, you know, she was attractive, you know, for that time period. She was For that time period. Well, I mean, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes uh, when you're looking at old photos. But she was, she was relatively attractive. <sighs> So over a period of about a year each, she ended up bilking five victims of their assets in a variety of ways, uh, and then finally, and then finally murdering them when they had nothing left. So you know, I mean, you haven't left time to turn the page. No, no, they yeah, didn't. she ain't gonna be stuck around no deadbeats. Well, no, who needs that? Yeah, exactly. Annie would. Um, would come to fame uh, as being the first woman to die in the Ohio electric chair. What have we retired that? Yeah. Do we, we do had, lethal injection lethal now? Injection, yeah. That just seems like such a yeah. Ohio was a state. Uh, uh, you know, became a state in eighteen o three. From eighteen o three to eighteen ninety seven, we the um, the uh, definitely was imposed by hanging, and then from 1980, uh, 1897 to I believe in the '60s or late '60s. Uh, the the Ohio Electric Chair, Old Sparky, yes. as it was known, uh, was used, and now it's lethal injection. See, I have a question. Yes. So, we do lethal injection. Now, is it true? Now, I know you're not a lawyer because you didn't pass the bar, but... I didn't take the bar. Same thing. But... I did complete law school. I graduated in the top 10% of my class. Blah. Anywho. Yes. So, can they... Stay in execution if, let's say, the guy that they're executing has the flu. Uh, no. Well, they wait till he's healthy to kill him. Uh, I have questions about that. Yeah, I don't think anyone has used the flu defense, to my knowledge, for an appeal, but that would be an interesting appeal. Well, I'm just saying, do they wait till they're healthy? Because I've, heard, I've, seems to me like I've heard that, that you know, people have not been. People have been sick, and then they stay it until they feel better, and then they kill them. Which, to me, seems kind of like a waste of resources. I think that is probably... I think the appeals that occur with that is mostly due to mental health issues. And sub-question Not if they got, like, you know, the crabs or... Sub-question. Yeah. Why? A urinary tract infection. Yeah, UTI, the clap, something like that. Yeah, And then sub-question. Yes. Do... So, but I have this question. Yes. And so, you know, they do the they do this whole lethal injection, this cocktail that they pump into these people. I'm not going. We're not really going to get through this. Anyhow. Just shut up and listen. Okay. Just, why can't they just pump them full of morphine and be done with it? Like I don't understand. Make them just go to sleep and make their heart. You know, and then you pump them full of morphine. You OD them on something, and that's fine. Do I care if they suffer? Not so much. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, you know what? Um, it seems like, I, I don't know. I guess th- I've heard that that's a bad way, to, a really hard way to go. But it I seems, don't care. It seems like morphine would be kind of, you know. it would. I mean, 
it seemed like you take it, you would go to sleep, and you wake yeah. up. But I guess it, 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 you know. What if it takes too long? It's your respiratory system. Plus, you're using good morphine. I. Well, now murder. they can't get the friggin' drugs. Now they're having they're having supply issues. And well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, come on. I don't know. I just you know these are these are often these are ponderings I have. But well, back in the day, you know they they or give them arsenic. This. This uh, in this case, this was kind of controversial at the time because I said she was the first woman to be sentenced to death in the Ohio electric chair, and there was still this, you know, um, you know, this whole sexist thing going on back in the day where they didn't think a woman should be uh, executed. In it, I feel sure. like that. No, I think it's actually quite I don't right. feel like that at all. Uh, okay, so anyway, um, that's her claim to fame, becomes the first woman to... I, I actually looked up old Cincinnati Inquirer and Cincinnati Post articles on this case. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal at the time. The trial was... Uh, it was a sensation. They had uh, people like uh, crowds outside the courthouse on, you know, right from near where we work. And they were like people, you know, uh, on top of uh, light poles and things to get... And these people have jobs. I get that this is a BFG. It was a BFG at the time. All right, but let's let's talk about her earlier. Okay, let's talk about her. Anna Marie Fizzler. You know, this is the first uh, podcast we did, just you and I, since uh, Bessie Coleman. And, you know, we we got nominated for numerous awards for that podcast. Excellence in journalism. You, you would have thought that uh, we would have uh, kicked, uh, you know, who to the curb a long time ago. He's holding us back. He really is. He's a diva. Anna Marie Fizzler was born on July 7, 1906, which is um, a day before my mom's birthday. Not in 1906. No. She, she would take exception to that. But uh, she was born on July 8th. But uh, Anna Marie Fizzler <laughs> was born on July 7th, 1906. 19 Okay. In Bavaria, Germany. They make pretzels there. Yeah, I've been to Bavaria. It's beautiful there. Her father was uh, named George, and her mom mom was named Katerina. I like that name. Well, uh, I don't know if she's in a relation to Katerina Witt. I know. Well, I bet they are. I bet they're totally related. Well, I don't know, because it's their first name. Their first names are the same, not their last name. Yeah, whatever. People get married. Yeah, true. She was the youngest of 12 children, nine being boys. So yeah. you had a lot of boys in your family, didn't you? I, well, you have two brothers. They need to find a new hobby, though, clearly. Go cut down some dark forest trees or something. Well, I mean, what I mean, yeah, what, what, were you, what were you going to do back in Bavaria back in the day? It was cut kind of firewood. Like, plus World War One. Plow the fields you know, instead. World War One was upcoming, so they needed some cannon fodder. At the time of Anne's birth, Annie's birth, her parents had lost three children. Like at the mall? And two of their uh, boys were killed. And I think they lost them. I mean, they died oh, in, okay. in, 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 you know, early on. And then two of their boys died in action during the First World War. So, so they're getting over. Like and, you know, when you had kids, you had to have a lot because a lot of them wouldn't survive. <laughs> I mean, because you had to have someone take care of you. You had to have spares. Yeah, because you had someone take care of you in your yeah, yeah, you had death spares. So these, so all her and her brother, she was born. So her first, I'm not sure you'd want arsenic Annie taking care of you in your old age. Well, I'm not an old man either. I don't have any money. Yeah. You, however, yeah, she, you are going to end up with an arsenic Annie. <laughs> you think That's so? That's what's going to freaking happen. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so as a young girl, 
Um, Annie spent five months in the hospital due to blood poisoning. I don't know I've had why that. that's that important. I've but had that. It sucks. Really. But you put that in there. Yeah. yeah, I included it. Give you a little taste of her childhood. She was her mother's favorite because she was the youngest girl. So she was a princess. Um, she, the doctors, and when she had this blood poisoning, the doctors thought she was going to die several times. But she didn't. And too bad, because well, had she died... Thank God. Yeah, there would probably be a few more people walking around. Yeah, she's a productive citizen. Well, they'd all be dead by now anyway, so... True. At age six, um, she had her uh, thyroid gland removed. Why do I care about that? I don't know. Um, is she a chunky kid? <laughs> no. During her teenage years, uh, she strayed from her parents... Uh, and um, she was she became a little bratty if she didn't get her way. She was known to sneak out of the house. Wait a minute. As a teenager, she became bratty if she didn't get her way? You get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you get the fuck out of here. You're kidding. That's kind of the definition of a teenager. <laughs> a teenage girl? My God. Yeah, I don't even know why that's newsworthy. She was known to sneak out of the house uh, windows late at night and go to parties. The whore... I'm saying that for Chuck because he would have said that. Sure, he would have said whore, yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, now, she dropped out of high school, but later would claim that she graduated from teaching school, quote, unquote. Yeah, so. I wonder if she went and had a baby. Yeah. I don't, I mean, matter of fact. Oh. So, uh, she falsely claimed to have a degree in education that qualified for her as a teacher when she never even completed high school. But back in the day, you know, you didn't, didn't matter. Really, you didn't really need a degree to teach. Right. Even when I was younger, I think you only need like a two-year degree to teach, to be certified as a teacher. I don't know, but clearly there, there was a lacking of compassionate teachers you didn't, oh, have yeah, to, man. you didn't have to have a whole lot of compassion to teach. Man, Miss Brock, she was my first grade teacher, and she she would she would whip out a ruler and snap your hands, knuckles with it, and a heartbeat. You know what? She had no compassion. I miss I miss when they could when our teachers could drink in the classroom. Like they were slick about it, but they weren't that slick. Mm-hmm. So like drunken Davy Donovan used to be our music teacher and he was plowed most of the time. And Mr. Maple, Mr. Maple, he used to always, he was always spiking his coffee. Awesome. So they were drunks. Oh, total drunks, teaching us things. Yes. That's why you turned out the way you did. Well, no. So, um, at 16, um, the parents really didn't know what to do with Annie. You know, she was, she was out of control. Poor. So they sent her off to her sister, who lived in Holland. Caddy, her sister Caddy. Holland has tulips. <laughs> they do. They have wooden shoes. And, and you, can, you can get splinters on your feet. That sounds painful. Yes. So they sent her to Holland to live with her sister Caddy. But uh, unfortunately, um, she was unable to straighten her out. Uh, on May 31st at 18, Annie gave birth to her son, Oscar. It was an out-of-wedlock birth. The identity of the father was never known, although Annie would claim later that her father was a prominent Vienna physician who just happened to die young. Oh, but, clearly, yes. But I'm guessing it was like a streetcar conductor on a drunk. Lanny. Yeah, Lanny, exactly. But we don't know who that was. Now, being an unwed mother at the time was really frowned upon in conservative Germany. Yeah, but wouldn't she, have been a, wouldn't she be considered a widow? 
Yeah, but there was never no guy. She made that up. Well, I know that, but she's telling everybody that, you know, she was, she'd she been married to this guy uh, and he died. Yeah, I guess if So wouldn't she be a widow? But I think there was a lot of people walking around with kids who claimed to be widows at the time. Oh, sure, because, you know, women always get shit on for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, the guy, of course, he walks away scot-free. Scot-fucking-free. He's Baby know, he's, daddy's all over the he's place. He's a streetcar conductor banging all the you know, passengers and... Baby daddy's everywhere. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, well. So now, having embarrassed her family and being shunned by her community, so the community... They were parents, Amish. They did not, obviously, the Germans in Bavaria, the Bavarians did not... They play. are harsh people. Yeah, you know, they are. They, they don't are. play. They don't play. They don't be... Yeah, they don't play. So Annie decides to immigrate... Immigrate... Immigrate sure. to the United States because you know we're a bunch of whores and drunkards over here, so we accept her. Anybody? Did we allow her to immigrate over we here? We did. We didn't have a wall built. No, we didn't have no wall built at the time. This was in 1929. So on February 11th, 1929. It's just every swinging dick that wants in here, we just let them. Yeah, well, you know, give us your poor, your hungry, your whores. Yeah. On February, well, for you. <laughs> on February 11, 1929, 22-year-old Annie boards a second-class cabin. I wonder why she didn't get first class. Probably she probably. hadn't fleeced an old man yet. No, that's true. On the SS Munchkin. Yes. Uh, was it a little boat? Was it a tugboat? <laughs> no, there's just a lot of little people on there, I think. And it arrived in New York City. So there she is. Did she follow the yellow brick road? No, I think she got off at Ellis Island and through that whole thing. Now, she moved in with her Uncle Max in Cincinnati. Of course, Cincinnati at the time had a, you know, Cincinnati's history, uh, for those who are not familiar, is very German. Um, And uh, even today that is, you know, there's still a a strong German influence. Um, you have to like see Kyle when you're walking down the street. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's the road you went down. <laughs> so anyway, it was very German at the time, and um, her. So there's a large German community here, including her uncle Max. So she moves in with Uncle Max, uh, and, and she uh, begins to start her new life. Now she doesn't bring Oscar, her child, with her. And if he was a grouchy child, do you think she called him Oscar the Grouch? I think she, well, maybe she put him in a trash can. That's why she didn't have him. Perhaps. Here's the, where is he? He's had, he's in Germany with her uh, parents. So wait a minute. So they kept, they kept the product yeah. of her whorishness, but yeah. they, sh- they told her, no, nah, we're, well, we're not going to deal with you. Oscars. Oh, I know that. But you know, when have you ever known the Germans to be a really level-headed? Well, they have to do something with the kid. Thinking things through. kind of something with him. Actually, right. Well, I mean, it would, it would make her thing more difficult for her to come over to the United States with a kid to feed. So they fed him over there, and then he went on to become a Nazi. I don't know. No, he comes. He actually immigrates. That's, that's not true. No, he comes back. He comes back here. He, he comes over a few years later when I get to that part. In March of 1929, Annie met a gentleman by the name of Charles Oswald. Not... Beauregard. No, Charles Oswald. But with two S's, by the way, which I think is a strange spelling. Charles or Oswald? Oswald. O-S-S-W-A-L-D. Well, Oswald. Oswald. He was a retired banker. He was 71 years old. Yeah. Annie at the time was a bit younger than that. Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like Anna Nicole Smith. 
Oh goodness. Yeah, she was a she was a train wreck, but I kind of like. Dude, her. did you ever see her chasing after that stupid dog? Yeah. She had a she had, ship high, ship <laughs> high, coming ship high. And of course, she introduced the world to Bobby Trendy. Well, who's a treasure? <laughs> Who is an absolute national, national treasure. treasure? National treasure. Absolutely. So uh, uh, Annie was uh, t- uh, 22 when she came to the United States, and she meets a uh, 71-year-old Charles Oswald, a retired banker. Now, she lies about having been a nurse in Germany and moves in with the 70-year-old Oswald to take care of him. Oswald kind of falls in love with the young Annie because apparently at 71, he's still falling in love with 22-year-old women. Well, who is it? Nothing wrong with that. I do not uh, begrudge him that. And she tells him that one day she will marry him. Now, being 71, I don't know how many days he's got. So, you know, you don't want a real long engagement at well, 71. No. Well, yeah, she's. I think she's making promises that she has no intention of filling. It's funny you say that because the next line is she has no intentions of actually following through with the marriage, but she begins to steal money from him. In March of 1929, uh, Annie would begin her obsession with gambling. Oh. When she placed a $2 bet at a horse track... In Latonia, Kentucky. Two bucks on the, on the ponies. Yeah, I mean, this was a long time, 1929. I know, two bucks on the ponies. Yeah. She won $260. Damn, Gina, she should have bought a house. And this was at Latonia Racetrack, which is still there today. Yes. It's about, what, half hour from us, 20 minutes from us or something. Around this time, uh, Annie got a job as a chambermaid at the Arms Hotel. So she still is taking care of this old Mr. Charles Oswald. But she's, she's going to be a maid. And she's a chambermaid. Do they? She has to, do you think they have to change chamber pots? Yes. I don't think I'd like to use chamber pots. I prefer modern plumbing. Plumbing myself. I know you do. Well, why don't you, you guys can just pee outside, though. Peeing is one thing. But if you have to go number two, you don't want a chamber pot. There's a guy who walks up the street over here and poops on the side of the tree <laughs> on the other side of the road. Randy and I were standing out front for a job one day, and a, a man just walked across the street, pulled down his pants, and took a dump right on the sidewalk. It was spectacular. You had to call it. We had to call it a day after that. It was like 10 o'clock in the that morning. That is when you need Facebook Live. Oh, God. It was like 10 in the morning, remember? And I'm like, yeah, this day is over. I have I, done. Because you can't top it after that. No, there's no, there's no place for your day to go but down. Exactly. All right. So uh, she starts working as a chambermaid at the Alms Hotel. Now, during a community dance at the Hotel Alms, she met a telegraph operator named Philip Hahn. Those Ooh. telegraph operators, they're... They're sexy. Uh, well... They're smooth talkers. Oh, and they got the whole that finger action because they panty dropper. They, yeah, uh, yeah. Telegraph operators are definitely panty droppers. Um, that is a panty dropping profession. The couple quickly fell in love, and they were eventually married. Now I don't know, and this probably broke young or Mister Oswald's heart. He was probably seventy-one, and. You know, you, you know. I mean, you really? When you're 71, you don't get a lot of shots at a 26-year-old, you know? Uh, but I can tell you, you don't. Just believe me. Uh, I, okay. In the summer of 1930, when Annie was 24, uh, Annie's son, Oscar, who you were concerned about, finally comes to America, and the family settles into their new home in Cincinnati. That's Annie, uh, her son, Oscar, and her new husband, 
Philip Hahn. Now, in 19, July 1930, Annie receives 27 shares of Union Gas and Electric from Charles Oswald. The problem is he denies ever giving it to her. Well. And with $700, uh, and $700, she also got $700 transferred into her bank account from his. I Again. How that happened? Well, he was perplexed because he doesn't remember giving her. He's seventy-some years old, dude. Yeah. Well, maybe he. Yeah, maybe it was Alzheimer's, but he doesn't remember. Yes. Um. Now, also, I remember Uncle Max that she was staying with. Yeah. Well, he created a new will uh, and left everything to Annie, his beloved niece. Well. So, she, I mean, everyone is expressing their love and concern for Annie, it seems. Meanwhile, she's playing the ponies. Yeah. Now, this was some, uh, somewhat surprising since Max and Annie were not on good terms. Well, because she's a dirty whore. Uh, Max had kicked her out and accused her from stealing from him shortly before um, shortly she got married. Died? No, oh. shortly she got married. This is her uncle, Annie. Or right. Uncle Max. Right. So, these old men are giving her money, they're uh, writing up new wills, leaving her stuff, and um, they don't remember doing it. So, in the fall of 1930, uh, Annie's Uncle Max dies suddenly, suspiciously, leaving his entire estate valued at $7,000 to Annie. Shit. Annie and her husband used this money to start in, uh, two new businesses, a bakery and a delicatessen. Now, where would you rather work, the bakery or the delicatessen? First of all, the bakery. Second well, of all, there's no, there's really no, cho- uh, there's really, that's no, really a choiceless choice. You really choose the bakery because Sophie's choice. you have to get up early to make the donuts. To make the donuts, but the good thing is you have donuts. That's always the good thing. Exactly. Here's my question, though: mm-hmm. Do either one of them really know anything about either one of those? No, and in fact, uh, Annie gets bored with the whole uh, business really quick because she's spending most of her time at the racetrack. And she begins to uh, place bets not only at the racetrack, but she's also um, gambling with bookies at the time. So she's got a lot of stuff going on. She used the money from the family business uh, to cover her losses. Jeez. Annie's marriage to Philip uh, may have appeared solid, not solid, to outsiders. However, the young couple had their share of problems, most which most which seemed to have revolved around Annie's hunger for money to pay for her gambling. Uh, Annie seemed to tire quickly of her duties operating one of the couple's delicatessens. So she got the delicatessen. He got the bakery. Well, See, no wonder she's tired. Yeah, of it. I'd be pissed too. I'd say you, you know, you make the fucking, you make the fucking sandwiches. Let me make the donuts. Maybe she didn't want to put the bun in the oven. Uh, maybe she did. She already had one bun in the oven, apparently. Right. Um, so anyway, um, she worked at different uh, money-making schemes, get rich, get rich quick schemes, uh, and one of them happened to be arson. Oh, that's a great pastime. <laughs> I enjoy uh, it myself. Apparently, uh, there were three suspicious fires around this time. Uh, both occurred. Uh, one uh, both occurred in either 
a property owned by Annie and her husband or the delicatessen. Now, while the fire caused minimal damage, Annie still managed to collect $300 from the insurance company, and that was a lot of money back in 1949. Can I, you know what? Can I tell you a story since yes. we're talking about fire? Yeah. <clears throat> so, you pee your pants if you play with fire. Is that true? I don't know if that's true, but they always said that when I was I never heard that. Really? So, my... Maybe my parents lied to me. I think they might have. Okay. So, my parents have this ornamental grass in their yard. Mm -hmm. It's tall. It gets huge. Mm -hmm. And so, when in between seasons, you know, it'll dry out. And when it dries out, you have to cut it. You can cut it and you can burn the dried out stuff to the ground and then that allows for the new to pop, to come up and be pretty and nice. Mm-hmm. So my parents live in a live in this big subdivision and and on their on their property they have the like cable box for the subdivision and the internet and all that kind of stuff for the subdivision sits on their property. Mm-hmm. And so they have all this ornamental grass that surrounds it. Mm-hmm. So my father who is it's, a smart man what type of grass is it? It's ornamental grass. It's not oriental grass. No. Okay. Ornamental. That maybe they had grass growing in from Southeast Asia. It wouldn't surprise me because they have enough money to do squirrely shit like that. Okay. But my father, who is uh, you know sixty years old, mm-hmm. um, decided that it was a great idea that he was going to go out and burn this grass mm-hmm. down. Um, he was going to. His brilliant plan was to go out on a windy day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not cut the wind tends to spread fires. Not cut the um, ornamental grass back at all, and not go out with a hose. Basically, just take a little bic lighter out there and light the shit on fire. Mm-hmm. So, what happened when he decided to do this was that not only did he burn a big hunk of skin off his arm, uh, but he also burnt up the cable and internet box that was sitting on their property and the electric thing that was sitting on their property. It's all melted and it's really gross. And it's so funny to see it sitting there and all the cable was out for the neighborhood. The internet was out for the neighborhood. So it turned out to be a poor decision. It was spectacularly poor. Coming from a man who is not known to make that many poor decisions, and, it is and your dad is a spectacular. Uh, your dad served many years in the military. My dad served many years in the military. He's been in law enforcement for many years. He's, he's a very smart man. Very smart man who believes that he suffers from thin lid syndrome and can see through his eyelids. Oh, wow. Well, it's a it's an affliction that affects probably only him. Is, is it an affliction or is it a he says gift? It's, no, he says it's an affliction because oh, the neighbors sleep. can have their porch light on and he can't sleep. Oh, yeah. So did he uh, stop, drop, and roll? I don't think he stopped, dropped, and rolled. I'm I'm pretty sure that he cursed. I didn't realize <laughs> I heard this story, and I didn't realize the extent of the damage that he had done. And he had, and if you say anything to him, I'm the only one that has the stones to say anything to him because he rips everybody else's ass. <laughs> but I don't care, so I just sit there and he wanted, I wanted to know what he wanted for his birthday besides a fire extinguisher, that kind of stuff. So it's fun for me. So now, now ten thousand people are going to know about. This I know, and I, I don't know because he bitched at me. He goes, "Don't you put that on Facebook?" <laughs> I'm like, "Fine, I'll put it on the podcast." Instead. Exactly. Now he's worldwide. Yes, I okay. love that. <laughs> I love and I love to set fires. Well, that's love disturbing. It. That's disturbing in, on many levels. I love it. 
So apparently did Annie, because there were two other fires that took place around this time, both at her residence. So her house is, her places are catching fire left and right. The first one was on <laughs> June the 2nd, 1935, and the second one was on June 20th, 1936. Whose house is she burning down? Her, uh, well, her house? Her house, the deli, the bakery, the houses that she inherited from these men that she killed. What the hell? She's starting the Chicago fire. <laughs> this is how the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire got started. Yeah, that's a good topic we'll have to do sometime. Annie collected just over $2,000 for both fires. She so, got fucked on that yeah, deal. Well, yeah, you do not really because this is, well, you she know, it's $1929, so... Yeah, but still, she got... What do you think those two businesses were worth? Probably more than $2,000. Well, they, they didn't... Or potential it, it was, Remember, it was minimal damage, so... Well, then she's not very good at her job. On two separate occasions, uh, Annie tried to secure a $25,000 life insurance policy on her husband. (laughs) But each time, she was met uh, with resistance from him. I can't believe it. I can't either. Honey, I want to put a $25,000 life insurance. safety first. Yeah. Always safety. Well, okay, so uh, whether, whether it was just simple superstition or fear of losing his life, it's not known. Well, but he refused to go along with such uh, shenanigans. Regardless, uh, shortly thereafter, Philip became desperately ill, uh, and against and Ill. against Annie's wishes, was taken to the hospital by his mother. <laughs> I don't care if he's blue; you cannot take him. Now, who's going to work in the bakery now? Well, uh, I don't know. He survived his uh, mysterious illness, <laughs> but the marriage continued to suffer, and the couple eventually separated. Oh, I can't believe it. I know. He he really dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, he really did. In the autumn of 1932, um, she uh, Annie uh, rented a room to a man by the name of Ernest Collier. He was a 62-year-old man. And um, he was a sickly man, and she yeah, began to steal prescription pads from him. Oh, was he a doctor? He was a doctor. I want to steal prescription pads from him. And she started, uh, yeah, that's... It's like we're soul sisters. It's back in the day when they did prescription, they had prescription pads. I know, but this is like we're soul sisters. You you get your hand on a prescription pad, you can write your own ticket. Opium all day. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. She started forging his name uh, and uh, getting illegal morphine. Um, And Annie sold the morphine to support her gambling habit. But soon started using the drug herself, developing a serious opium addiction. You know, if you're a drug dealer, you shouldn't use your own shit. That's business 101. Well, that's true, but opium, man. Yeah, I mean, how can you turn that Well, that's fine, then you don't sell it. But opium. I get it, but then you don't sell it. Then you just do it on your own. My dream is to live in a whorehouse. Down, upstairs and downstairs, an opium den. Does Clara understand that much no, English? No, no. I'm sorry if Clara, of course, I'm only joking if Clara is listening to this. Does she understand the words that you said? Uh, yes, she does. And But fortunately for me, she doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> or she would, you know, start cussing She would cease Spanish. and desist with you. When she gets mad, she starts talking in Spanish really fast, and I can't understand it, but I know it's not good. Probably, yeah, I yeah. can see that. So, uh, no, of course, I, that, I'm only joking. Of I would course. not want to live in a whorehouse slash 
uh, opium den. No, who would? Who would? I That's mean, you'd, dirty, be, you'd, be, you'd be crazy. It's a dirty place. Dirty. Very dirty. So dirty. So dirty. Okay, so. Um, so Annie's now still in <laughs> scripts. Fortune <laughs> yes. scripts. Selling morphine, taking morphine, going, playing the ponies. Uh, and, you know, and dude, and, she is just a big old ball of vices. He <laughs> <It> really is. <laughs> I mean, my God, <laughs> she's, she's only twenty six at this point. Shit. On uh, May sixth, nineteen thirty three, very the week of our birthday. Not nineteen thirty three, but no, the, you know, the, that is the same week as our birthday. Yeah, Mister Collier died under suspicious suspicious circumstances. Huh. It appeared that he may have been poisoned. Oh, they didn't. They didn't see the handprints around his neck. <laughs> well, they ruled out poison in the end and said uh, he got he had throat cancer. So, oh, well, because you know you can get throat cancer when you're going down. I've heard that. Is that true for both men and women? You get HPV in your throat. Yeah, is that is that? Yeah. Okay, so women can get it going down on men, and I know men. No, can get, no, 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 no. It's only women have going down on other women. I. No, you know what? I don't know. And if I knew, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I would be. So, because what's his name had it, right? Um, Michael Douglas Michael had Douglas. it. But then, as you'll recall, we have, um, we have a mutual acquaintance that had to have her palate removed, and it went up in her no- nasal cavities and all that kind of you stuff. Think because of that, I think it was that. Carpet uh, munching carpet. I think it was that. Mm-hmm. See, they don't tell you this shit until you're older. You know, they should have came out. And I read that like over three times, three times you're at risk. That's a good weekend. Three times is a good weekend. And if you do it over three times, you're at higher risk for a throat cancer. Three times ever? In your life, yeah. Okay. If you have more, no, more than three partners. Oh, okay. If you have more than three partners and you're, you know, munching carpet, then you're at an elevated risk for, for throat cancer. I learned this out. I learned about this at age 50. Well, they don't, Where the they fuck don't tell you this stuff. They don't tell you this stuff in school. They really weekend. should. That's a, a good weekend. Well, it would be a good weekend for anybody, yes. So this dude what, dies of throat cancer. For somebody cancer. who doesn't leave their apartment? <laughs> well, I used to. I just don't now, you know. I used to okay. have a more active life. Yeah, well. Before I became crazy. He was uh, cremated, or Mr. Collier. Oh, like immediately? Did yeah. she do it herself? No, no. She, he was cremated. But they gave her his ashes where she placed him on her mantle. Well, right next to his testicles. <laughs> Why now? You know, this random woman's got your, now your, your landlord lady. Yeah, that's going to be me. You know, I'm going to have no one left, and some landlady is going to have my ashes on her mantle. <laughs> that's not true. I'll have them. Oh, that makes me feel much better. It should. Uh, in your tiny house. Oh, fuck, tiny house. So Collier leaves Aunt Marie everything in his new will. Well, in his new will? Yeah, he just recently updated his will. Cool. Okay. About uh, three days before he died. Well. And he left her everything, including his home. Because, you she, know, she needs something else to burn down. She does not waste any time. Well, she's, you know, she, a lot of people cared about her, apparently. Now, due to the uh, Great Depression, and after running up some heavy gambling debts, uh, Annie had to sell the bakery and the deli in 1935. Sure, she was tore up about it. Yeah, after catching them on fire. Sure. Later that year, um, she failed to make her mortgage payment, and she lost uh, her main residence. But she still has these two other houses from these men who 
miraculously, you know, left everything to her and their will. She had apparently had a. She bonded with people for other. Well, you know, I, is she? I mean, is she drilling these old men? I don't. I, you know, I can never tell. In or like a re- handy, or I, I can never tell in the re- uh, in the research if she was actually sleeping with them or just leading them on. Or like she's got to be doing something. Well, like, apparently she would uh, gain their trust, and then, uh, but it, it appeared that like almost on all of them had some level of suspicion about her. But you know they didn't know she was going and you know, creating these new wills and things. So later that year, we're talking about 1935, uh, she failed to make her mortgage payment. She lost one of her homes, uh, but you know it was the depression. You know she was down on her luck. Later, also in that year, Annie started working as a live-in nurse for an elderly man named Albert Packer. There we go. I keep wanting to say Alfred Packer, but he was the cannibal. Yes. Remember we did that podcast? I do. So she started to withdrawing money from Mr. Packer's bank accounts without his permission. Well, for his expenses. That I'm is sure. frowned upon in it's polite society. In polite society. Yes. He, Mr. Packer was 72. <coughs> And curious enough, he died soon after she started caring for him. You get the hell up out of here. I know. Shocking, right? Get the fuck out. The uh, autopsy showed that uh, he had ingested a lethal dose of arsenic. So apparently uh, he was, you know, drinking a bottle of arsenic, sitting around, sure. walk, you know, listening to the radio, listening to Amos and Andy, drinking some arsenic. Listen, and, uh, listening to the game. Yeah. And he had perished. Uh, now, in 19-whatever, well, I guess that... You could do something. 1930? 1935? Do they really have anything sophisticated enough to decide what? Uh, well, apparently they said they did, an, they did an autopsy on him and found that he had arsenic in him, but they didn't uh, They didn't investigate it. They didn't even... Wait a minute. So that's... No, well, he had arsenic. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, my God. All right. He was old. He was 72. He probably, probably lived his natural life. Well... Now, prior to his death, uh, she had borrowed some money from Mr. Parker, $1,000. She made out an IOU. But uh, after his death, <laughs> after his death, that uh, document uh, apparently disappeared. Or it was discarded or, you know. Well, uh, who's she going to pay the money to? Well, uh, exactly. I mean, she could pay it to his estate. But since the will was made out to her. She's the estate. She is the estate. Uh, a will. <laughs> it's interesting enough. Appeared after Parker's death, leaving his entire estate to Annie. She's just, I mean, people just show her a lot of love. Now, on August 14th, one of, uh, uh, 1935, one of Annie's former patients, Charles Oswald, remember him? Yeah. He was 77 at this point. He died, and uh, he left all his assets to Annie. Hmm. Uh, the attorney uh, for his uh, his will said that there were uh, no assets left, however, because Annie had already taken everything that he had. Well, so she didn't really come out ahead in that one. On September twenty second, nineteen thirty five, it was a big year for Annie. Oh yeah. Um, Annie's um, and her ex mother in law, remember Phil Hahn? They had a following out, and Annie attempted to make up with her by giving her a box of chocolates. Well, that's nice. Annie was very nice, uh, trying to you know trying to reach across the aisle. Like I said, you know she she was uh, trying to um, you know mend some fences there. Uh, now, as fate would have it, after eating the chocolates, Maggie became deathly ill and died. Did she leave everything to Annie? No. <laughs> okay. No, she didn't. I think that was just like a vengeful thing. I don't think she profited much from Maggie's Oh, she, Maggie's, pro- uh, she profited. Oh, she profited. 
In June of 1936, uh, Annie met a man by the name of George Heiss when she was out buying some coal. You know, you go out, you buy some coal. It's a, you know, that's, a, that's how people met back in the day. Oh, sure. It's like it's like the supermarket. Now. It's it's the tender of nineteen. It really is. It really is. You got buying some coal. tender. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. If you get it, I do not. Oh, isn't that what you make um, fire out of? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, tender. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. See how funny I am, and I don't yeah. even mean to be. Okay, yeah. There is a, that was a play on words. It really was. Thank you. Uh, they became friends, and he began to call her his girl. Oh, barf. He has a pet name for her. Now, George was very generous and gave Annie money to gamble. It was not enough, however, as she began selling from him. Um, Annie's gambling problem became worse, and she was losing up to $100 a week, which was a lot of money back yeah, in the Depression. On July 15, 1936, uh, Annie meets a 42-year, a 52-year-old woman named Stinny Cable. Stinny. Stinny? Stinna. Stinna. I'm sorry. S-T-I-N-A. St- oh, oh, that's better. They met in a ladies' room. Like a bathroom? <laughs> they met in a ladies' room, and they decided to go out and get a beer together. I don't even know. I have never met anybody in a ladies' room that I want to go out and have a beer with, ever, ever. I've met a couple. And let, well, clearly, but I mean, unless I already knew them, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, they went out and had a beer. They, you know, maybe they they shared a pee together and they got talking. Maybe they were washing their that's hands. Why, you know what? That's why there's no talking over the stalls. Yeah, you know, I don't like going into a men's room because you know, men, we have urinals. I don't know if you're aware of that. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I am. And you stand up and do your business. Sure. Right? I can go. I hate it when I go in a urinal. It'd be like at the at the at the Great American Ballpark. Like during a Reds game, it's right. they're down twelve runs, and no one, everyone's already gone. 
and you'll go up to the urinal and you'll get in the middle and then there'll be like no one else there and there'll be like 35 urinals and then they some, come right next to you and get right next to I you I hate that and plus I don't think people should be talking on their phones while they're on the toilet. They should not. Well, even a private toilet, they should not. Be. Well, in your own house, it's a different thing. I, 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 granted, I wouldn't do it. I mean, you know, but but no, they, in public, they should not. No, but people do, especially when remember those Sprint phones that you used to be able to do like the walkie-talkie oh, yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. I never knew what the advantage of those were. I don't know. But some people liked them. I had a what? friend who had one, and, and I was like, that, that's so annoying. Why don't you just have a phone and put it up to your ear? Well, and why do I want it? I don't need to hear your whole conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so they meet in a uh, ladies' room, and they decide to go out, and they decide to go out and have a beer. Yeah, you know. She met a new friend, basically, is what happened. Well, um, you know, that's, that gets into the whole Seinfeld thing. You know, maybe she could spare a square. Well, maybe she may, yeah, maybe they, there was a toilet paper moment between them. But anyway, uh, they went out and had a beer together. They started hanging out, and they were hanging out together for a couple weeks. Uh, and uh, Annie ends up stealing $800 from her. So See, Stina, that's what you get. Stina should not have become friends with Annie. But that's what you get when you meet people in the ladies' room. Now, uh, Stina went to confront her uh, about it, and Annie told her, you know, relax, you're getting worked up over this, I didn't steal your money, sit down and have a drink. Have a drink with me. Uh, she did, and she nearly died. Um, she was sick for weeks, and um, she uh, told the police later that she uh, thinks that Annie tried to poison her. Well, shocking. Yeah, I know, uh, from our Annie. In October of 1936, uh, remember George Heiss, her new boyfriend? I do. Uh, the one who called her his girl? Yes. Um, well, he's accusing Annie now of stealing from him. No, he spoke too soon. Well, yes. Um, and um, he um, had her pour him a mug of beer. Now there were people some, are trusting. <laughs> there were some flies that um, got on his cup of beer, his mug of beer, and they dropped over dead. So uh, noticing this, he asked Annie to uh, share a drink with him. Annie refused, and so he ordered her out of his home. So he's the gig is up with uh, with George. He he, he kind of. Uh, you know, he kind of got, uh, he wised up. Gee, I guess. What he didn't realize, however, that uh, that wasn't the first time that she had attempted to poison him. She had been cooking his meals. Shortly after this, he became ill and um, he went to the hospital and became paralyzed. Um, his in, uh, he had some uh, internal uh, damage, uh, damage to his internal organs from they wasn't sure what but obviously now we know it was from poisoning jeez in January of 1937 um, Annie began caring for an elderly gentleman by the name of Jacob Wagner he was 78 years old so they're getting older you know well that's a smart move in that kind of in that line of work well she's getting older so well yeah. right 
Uh, so she started working for him in January 1937. And June 3rd of 1937, uh, Mr. Wagner died. Uh, an autopsy showed that there were four times the lethal amount of arsenic in his body. Um, she had poisoned him with orange juice. Um, and surprise, not surprisingly, I guess by this point, um, he had um, uh, wrote up a new will shortly before his death. Naturally. Leaving his entire estate to Annie. Huh. He left her $17,000 in cash to his beloved Anna. Oh, isn't that sweet? It is. Um, at this time, after she, you know, um, see, the bad thing about killing people and are you, are you, pay, are you pay patients is that you're always, you know, you're always on the job. Oh, know? absolutely. So, um, which I guess has happened, even even if you're not poisoning your uh, patients, if you're in healthcare, if you're a healthcare worker and you're uh, a CNA or something, certified nurse's assistant, and you're working with the elderly, I'm sure you, you know, you lose clients, patients all the time. Right. Well, Just not as frequently as Annie. Of course, you know, when you're, you know, uh, feeding them uh, arsenic lakes, uh, um, cupcakes, and that probably speeds things up. Right. So she began to work with a new a, a new guy, another gentleman. This guy was only sixty seven, so he was a young whippersnapper by the name of George Jelslin. He's also from Cincinnati. Um, she worked with him. Uh, started working for him after the death of Mister Wagner. Um, he died, not surprisingly. Um, <laughs> she started working on him on July uh, July uh, 6th, or three days after Jacob died, Jacob Wagner died. She started working with him on uh, June the 6th, 1937. He died on July the 6th, 1937. Jesus so a whole God. Um, he left, uh, surprisingly in that month, he thought a lot of her. He um, made out a new will and left her $15,000. Of course. So... Around this time, around the time that he died, right before he died, Annie was seen purchasing a large quality quantity of croton oil. You know what croton oil is? I do not. I do not either. I looked it up. It's some kind of metallic. They use it for metal. For oh, things, okay. But it's it's very poisonous, and they the uh, at the time I don't even know if they still use it, but at the time they put it on like uh, torpedoes and stuff. Okay. But at the time, to work with it, you had to use gloves. Oh, okay. So uh, when they did an autopsy on Mr. Gelson, they found out he had high levels of croton oil Jesus. in his system. Imagine that. I, I cannot. I'm flabbergasted. Now, about this time, um, Annie was getting a little anxious that, you know, someone was going to catch on to her. And um, she started flirting with a local cobbler. Now, that's not a peach cobbler. No. It's a man that likes shoes. If she's got a thing for shoes, I'm telling that's you, that's the way to go. Yes. I mean, that's every woman's dream, isn't it? To marry a cobbler. And he could make, he he could could make her the shoes she could. His name was George Odenfer, and George um, was, uh, you know, he fell head over heels in love with Annie. He was 67. Annie, at this point, was 30 years old. So she talked him into taking her and her son to Colorado Springs, Colorado, to start a new life together. Her real intent was to get the hell out of Dodge because 
she was afraid that uh, you know things were starting to fall apart. So she wants to get out of Dodge, and she so she gets this George Obenfer, the the cobbler, and she talks him into taking them, her and her son, Oscar. Remember Oscar? He's twelve years yes. old now. Oh, right. Out to Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado. So she's looking for to get out of town now. They get to Colorado, and George, um, so he sells everything he owns to be with uh, to be with Annie, right? He yes. sells his house, he cashes everything, his, his cobbler shop, everything. And uh, they're going to start a new life together as, you know, a family out in Colorado Springs. Mm, how well, sweet. They, yeah, and they check into a hotel in Colorado, and George uh, suddenly becomes ill. Ah. No way. Uh, I know it's shocking. Uh, just when everything was going right for him, uh, he got sick. Uh, and despite the doctor's best efforts, um, he died. Mm, and left her everything. Well, he had everything with him, or he did. Yeah. But he didn't seem to have anything with him when they found him. In fact, he was in the hotel room all by himself. Mm. So... Um, they started, the police uh, started to ask around about, you know, who knew this man. And um, people said that, the, you know, they started telling him that um, he had uh, arrived in Colorado with a woman and her son. But the woman and her son was nowhere to be found. They had checked into the Park Hotel on uh, July 30th, 1937. He died the following day. Mm. Uh, now, the Colorado authorities found the circumstances intriguing because the owner of a hotel had just reported that uh, $300 worth of diamonds had been stolen from the hotel. Interesting. It is. So, the investigators in Colorado, apparently who were a little bit sharper than the ones here in Cincinnati, uh, wanted to determine whether the two incidents were related. So, you know what they did? They started to check at the local pawn shops Hmm. to see if a woman and a young boy had tried to, you know, sell diamonds. And it wasn't for long their efforts paid off. One local um, pawn shop owner informed them that a woman had, who was accompanied by a young boy, had tried to pawn um, similar jewels. Uh, but he had decided not to um, purchase them. So, um, yeah, that was an odd coincidence. So now they're investigators on the case. So as Colorado authorities broaden their search for Miss Annie, they learned that a woman fitting her description had tried to withdraw $1,000 from a Denver bank using a Cincinnati bank book in the name of George Obendorfer. Hmm, the cobbler. Yes. I want to send cobbler on his checkbook. I, well, I, it would have to be easier than Obendorfer. Yes. Uh, even though the woman claimed to be Mrs. George Obendorfer, yes. which I'm kind of enjoying saying now, okay. the bank manager, sensing something was not right, refused to make the transaction. He thought something was amiss. He did. Yeah. His spidey senses were tingling. Well, those bank, uh, bank uh, examiners can be a bit on the suspicious side. Yes. Uh, detectives were convinced the woman in question was Anna Hahn. 
Uh, investigators wasted little time securing an arrest an arrest warrant. Oh, an arrest warrant? Yes, for Han. Uh, for suspicion of grand larceny in the theft of the hotel jewelry. So they're not even after for all this other shit. They're no. after over these diamonds from the hotel. Yeah, she's going to leave enough alone murdering people. She had to go steal some diamonds. Well, and it's only like, what, $300 worth? Is that she's what not trustworthy. You know, I'm starting to think so. Yeah. But $300, like, that's the that's the least that she's stolen. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and she's, in, she's only been in Colorado a day. Well, sure. Uh, suspecting she'd fled the area and returned to Ohio, investigators contacted... Uh, Cincinnati authorities for assistance. And it was soon learned that Han had indeed returned home and Cincinnati investigators promptly picked her up. When asked by Colorado investigators what she knew about George Obendorfer's death, Anna responded, Don't look at me. Don't look at me. No. So they, they arrest her in Cincinnati. This is getting weird. It gets weird. They arrest her in Cincinnati. They send her back to Colorado to face these theft charges, and then they'll end up extraditing her back to Ohio. It's well, really confusing. She actually says that the man's a perfect stranger to me. <laughs> I've never seen him before I don't in my life. See, I don't know, some bitch for nothing. Uh, I don't even. Uh, I don't even have any. Sh- I can't even spell his name. I can't even spell. I can't spell his name. Hey, he's never made me any shoes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's stating that she just met him on the train. Okay. Meeting him in the bathroom, meeting him on the train. She, right. Doesn't matter. She meets people all over. Dude, seriously, she'd have been, she would have taken this world by storm had she had tender. Oh, my God. Uh, Annie's son, however, told the police that they were traveling with George. You can't take, you can't take him Oscar anymore. is not. Oscar's a bit of a blabbermouth. <laughs> he really is. He has to go. He, really he needs to go back to Germany. Yeah, he needs to go. Um, so he said that they were traveling with George, and his mother had Obendorfer's luggage containing his life savings of about eleven thousand dollars. Well, he's just spilling the beans. Really, you can't take him to war. You really can't. <laughs> and let me tell you something else. Why is she stealing piddly ass three hundred dollars worth of diamonds if she's got eleven grand sitting there in a suitcase? Well, yeah, you know, what yeah. a dumb bitch. All right. So an autopsy of uh, the cobbler revealed high levels of arsenic in his body. Shocking. I'm glad you're sitting down for that. Uh, police in Colorado became suspicious. I'm, still, I'm getting to see a pattern here. Well, and so suspe- the police in Colorado got suspicious. Yeah, apparently the Cincinnati police have, you know, they were like clueless at this point, still at this point. Well, so they contacted Cincinnati mm-hmm. to see if there were any other suspicious deaths associated with Annie. And they opened an investigation. Mm-hmm. They exhumed uh, Annie's pre- some of Annie's previous clients and revealed they'd all been poisoned, and that each <laughs> one was slain with a different po- poisonous potion. Yeah, she was very creative. Searches in the homes of the various victims revealed bottles of poison and stolen belongings. What? So she can't even dispose of her shit. <laughs> Right. And, and, well, here's the sub-question, though. How are you searching people's homes? They're dead. You're telling me nobody else has lived there, moved their shit in? Well, just, I don't know. Or they, just, they, they've done some. I know she's keeping some of the houses. Yeah, 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 yeah because she's, she's they're willing them to her. Right. Well, of course, of course I mean, they she's got are. a house on every block. Yeah. Can't swing a dead cat without hitting one of Annie's houses. Right. So, Cincinnati investigators were shocked, as am I, <laughs> Uh, when they discovered that a separate case, the mysterious death of 78-year-old Jacob Wagner, had ties to Anna Hahn. Whether by accident or through unconscious remorse, Anna told investigators she'd been caring for Wagner while she, while working as a visiting nurse. Yeah. Dumbass. She's sort of Florence Nightingale. Oh, she for sure is Florence yeah. Nightingale, or not at all. So, the German native and retired gardener had missed 
mysteriously died two months earlier, and in his final will, he left his entire estate to who? To who? Annie. Uh, look at you. While the coroner's report listed heart disease as the cause I of mean, death. Th- th- she must have been down to probate court every other day. I know. She probably had her own entrance. Uh, <laughs> oh, here she comes. Where's her caseworker? Hey, Annie. Yeah. Like Norm going into a bar. Um, so they listed heart disease as his cause of death. But a suspicious friend, which would be the nagging neighbor, I'm sure, because oh, everybody yeah. has one. Exactly. Had been badgering police. See, people sticking their nose in where it doesn't belong. Although, in this case, it was probably a good thing. Well, to investigate, and uh, an exhumation had been granted, and they ordered an autopsy of Wagner's remains. Now, had she been smart, she'd have burnt all these sons of bitches up. Well, like she did the one guy. She, exactly. Yeah, she, she, and no, nosy neighbors. In, in your will, just put, you know, since you're, while you're leaving everything to yourself, put in there about... Uh, yeah, their, I want to be cremated. Yeah, exactly. So, during this investigation, neighbors, seriously with the neighbors, also claimed that Han had spent several hours in Wagner's apartment after his death. Investigators soon met Olive Luella Kohler, Mm -hmm. an elderly woman that lived in the same apartment building as Wagner. Now, you know Olive Luella was sitting there in her window watching shit go on. You know, she's saying, look at that little tramp coming in there messing with that older man. See, I strive to be Olive Luella when I get a little bit older. (laughs) You always do when 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 I mention my dates. You're kind of like Olive. Yeah. I am going... That's what I'm going to strive to be. You're very judgmental. I like know. I, if, I, if I date a heroin addict, you're, 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 really, you're really judgmental. I do. I judge them mostly, but not... I don't judge you, and I really should judge you more harshly. Okay. Continue, please. But anyway, so... A little... Uh, she... Let's see. She lived in the same apartment building. I'm telling you, this woman was sitting in her window. She was a nosy neighbor. Oh, my God. So they learned that Anna had befriended the woman and on at least two occasions had brought her ice cream cone treats. See? That's (laughs) why you don't don't take ice cream from strangers. (laughs) Yeah. Chuck needs to learn that. Yeah. So after eating the second cone, Miss Kohler became violently ill and was admitted to the hospital. Is she just poisoning random willy nilly people? Well, this lady's probably you know getting up all in her business, getting all up in her business. You know, she really should learn. Remember in Rear Window, he was kind of back a little bit. Yeah. She really should learn to spy like that. Yeah, yeah, she was all up in her business. Yeah, police almost immediately, almost immediately, <laughs> not, a, not immediately. No, it took a little while. To it took him a minute. Yeah. Uh, but almost. And, and it is unknown whether or not the elderly Miss Kohler herself ever connected the ice cream bars with her illness. <laughs> Regardless, during her stay at the hospital, someone, in fact, did steal a bag from her residence, which contained an unknown amount of cash and jewelry. Oh, that's cool. So she's she's making giving her these poison uh, ice cream cones. And she gets sick, then she goes in and... Steals her shit. <laughs> Good lord, freaking grifter. <laughs> Teach her to be all up in her business. Well, well it, I bet you it don't. <laughs> I bet you it don't. All right, so uh, <laughs> uh, she died of unknown causes whilst in the hospital. Yeah, fucking ice cream. It's not good for you. Well, she probably was lactose intolerant. Oh, I'm sure that's what caused it. Or arsenic intolerant. I, that's probably closer. And I... You know, I can't put anything in my kid's pudding without him immediately going, oh, this tastes, oh, what? 
So I can't imagine like you don't taste the arsenic. Yeah. Maybe this coat. Maybe this ice cream's turned a little bit. Maybe this is. Maybe I shouldn't eat this since it smells. Yeah, she sucked it, it right down. It tastes like metal. She sucked it right. What down. the hell? So police then got a visit from George Heiss. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember George, the guy that she. Uh, tried to poison his beer and he, and he ended up being paralyzed anyway. The yeah. old boyfriend. The one called her his girl. Yeah, well, he needs to have better taste in well, women. I think he fell out of love with her at this point. According to Heiss, he'd met Anna Han a year earlier. While the, t- the two appeared to get along in the beginning, Heiss claimed to have become suspicious of Anna when he became violently ill after drinking a mug of beer that she'd poured for him. While he had since never felt like he was in good health, it was only after seeing reports in the newspaper that he decided to come forward with his story. So you said he didn't drink the mug of beer, and he's saying that he did. Yeah, it, it, it was conflicting, but it, it, from the best reports, sources I saw, he didn't drink the beer. But the flies died. The flies died, but he had been eating or cooking. So it's like Indiana Jones when they poison the dates and the monkey dies. Yes, just like that, only different. Only with beer. Yeah. It's exactly like that, Dick. He was poisoned by her. And yes. He, uh, he, and then when this became a story, it became a media sensation. Well, and, He came forward. And clearly, the investigators in Cincinnati are on top of their game because they were beginning to fear that Anna was poisoning her elderly patients <laughs> for money. And when they learned of yet another mysterious death in which Anna was acquainted with the victim, they launched yet another investigation. Yeah, they're on. They're uh, they're like they're on it like white on rice. CPD, nothing gets past them. No, like the snidely whiplash of <laughs> Cincinnati. All right, no, they're not snidely. Dudley Do Rights, that's what they are. Yes, Snidely was the bad all, guy. All over it. Oh, on July sixth, nineteen. She's in Colorado twelve hours, and they are they already got, are on her. She's, yeah. she's killing people left and right. I, she's dropping bodies all over the place here. On July 6, 1937, just weeks before Anna's trip to Colorado, another one of her patients, 67-year-old George Selman, died. All right. Friends of Selman's told authorities he'd become suddenly ill after his last visit with Anna and died shortly after. Uh, investigators worked quickly to secure an order for exhumation and autopsy, which they were immediately granted. During a search of Annie, Anna's home, investigators found a promissory note for $2,000. I wonder how uh, how uh, accurate those autopsies were back in the day. Well, that's what I don't know. That's why I'm wondering how they knew. But anyway, yeah. um, apparently she had borrowed money, the two grand, from a guy named Albert Palmer. Mm-hmm. Okay, new guy. New guy. What the hell? Uh, during a follow-up investigation on the note, investigators learned that Albert Palmer was a 72-year-old resident of 2416 Central Parkway. Oh, which is like five blocks from here. It is. Yeah. It is. So that's downtown. It is. Or is it the other way? No, it's the other way. It's the other way? Yeah, it's five blocks, it's five blocks north from here. We could walk there in 10 minutes. We'll have to go by there. We could, but I don't want to. Okay. All right. Uh, however... This this neighborhood's shady at best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that improved a lot. Yeah. Uh, however, upon paying a visit to Palmer's, Palmer's home, they were informed by relatives. What were they informed by relatives? Can you uh, guess? Uh, I I'm guessing that uh, they were some they were suspicious. He died. Oh. <laughs> they were informed by relatives that he had died on March 27th, 1936. May, after, after may he rest in peace. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
after being ill for an extended period of time. God rest his soul. It was also revealed. People die around her like they do around Chuck. No kidding. <laughs> I'm going yeah, to have to start. I can't drink anything around Chuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was also revealed that Anna Han had been caring, caring for the man before his death. Glad you were sitting down for that. Yeah. In addition, relatives also informed investigators that at least $4,000... But she was, has a hard time getting references. Uh, clearly not. She just goes wherever. Just yeah. Yeah, but all the references are dead. Yeah. Or she just flashes a boob at the old man and says, hey, I can take I, care I, of I, it. I'm, I'm getting the idea that she probably used her... Feminine wild. Yeah, to, to get these guys to hire her. Well, then what did she do with the one lady? She got, met her in the ladies' room. <laughs> I mean, did she do the same thing? Flash her boobs? She sold $800. I mean, $800 was a lot of money during the Depression. Why do they have that money? I don't know. Anyway, so... Uh, so in addition, so she took four grand from Palmer's estate. Okay. So on, she should be living in a, in a mansion in Hawaii at this point. You know, yeah. Johnny, I don't know what. Uh, yeah, there's a lot happening here. Well, she's gambling and she's doing opium, so that's probably where her money is going. Wonder if she looked like a meth head. At some point, she'd have to look like a meth head. She not at this point. She was fairly attractive at trial, so I don't I don't think she'd caught up with her yet. But um, she wouldn't spend it on Oscar, I don't think. Well, no. Well, I wouldn't spend it on Oscar either. It's a blabbermouth. So, on August 15th, 1937, Annie was extradited from Denver back to Cincinnati to face murder charges. Yeah. Upon arrival back in Cincinnati, Anna Marie Kahn was arrested on five counts of first-degree murder on August 17th, 1937. Yeah, they actually think she could have killed up to 13 people. Her tri- Well, she probably fucking did. Her trial opened on October the 11th, 1938, and would last four weeks. The trial was a new sensation. Yeah, it was immediate. Like I told you, it was immediate frenzy. I, I've seen pictures of people like in the old newspapers, and the crowds were just... Was it on Inside Edition? It would have been at the time, but it was on the radio, and they had, you know, like I said, there was big crowds in front of the courthouse with people, like, uh, on the, you know, climbing the light poles. To it's the, dangerous. It is dangerous, but they, you know, they were kids. They wanted to get the, uh, uh, they wanted to get a view of her walking into the court. Because well, clearly she was hot, and a boob could fly out at any yeah, moment. Because uh, yeah. she was flashing them all over. I mean, town. it was a, yeah, it was the trial, you know, trial of the it's century. trial of the century. Yeah, you know, for Cincinnati at that at that point. So the trial was a news sensation, and the Cincinnati newspapers were filled with related stories of arsenic Annie. Hordes of reporters packed the courtroom during the four-week trial. The reporters commented daily on her appearance and demeanor. Much attention was paid to her appearance by fashion editors. <laughs> and there wasn't a lot of other stuff to talk about in Cincinnati at the time. Well, for fashion editors, dwelling on her brown dress, the shade of her lipstick, and her stylishly long skirt. It's all the rage for prison fashion this season. I think they were getting the, you know, she was a loose woman and they were commenting on her, her fashion. Yeah, they were looking at her lipstick. Yeah. It's like Bobby Trendy was sitting there on Fashion Police, checking her out while she was on trial. I don't know how much, I don't know what your wardrobe's like when you go you to know, trial. You got, you got Perez Hilton out there. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what your, you know, they give her a choice of, a choice of outfits. She was a or, female fatale. Well, clearly she was. Mm-hmm. It was fatal to know her. So, um,. Despite the public spectacle, the evidence mounting against her, Annie was certain she would be found not guilty because she's just too cute for prison. Well, that's she how didn't I think am. she did anything wrong. I don't. I don't understand that. I don't. 
I mean, clearly she did because she these guys tried to hide old. things. She's, these guys were old. They probably weren't going to live very much longer. Well, that's not. And she, she had stuff. She had bills to pay. Well, she did. Well, she's a woman on the go. <laughs> she had the ponies to play. She had opium to buy. Oscar didn't need to eat, so that was okay. Um, but I, I, she probably, I bet you she was one of those women that just thought, I'm too cute to go to prison. Yeah. I, I think that when I do shit. Well, and I think it was a, like I said, uh, that no woman had been sentenced to the electric chair at that point. So well, I they should zap her. Well, I think she thought maybe that... Or at know, least taser. Yeah, that she would probably walk. Well, if not walk, she would, you know, she wouldn't get uh, the death penalty. Well, so she was detained at the Hamilton County Workhouse. Mm-hmm. Confident of convincing the courts of her innocence, she invited journalists into her cell one morning. One reporter describing her immaculate appearance, her hair carefully brushed, her fingernails polished, her attitude almost carefree as she exclaimed that this Shirley was the weirdest breakfast chat she'd ever had. She's like fucking Martha Stewart up in there. Just doing her shit. Look at my nails. Would you care for a crumpet? You know, I think she lost her moral compass somewhere along the way. Did she have a moral compass? <laughs> it's just you. You know, and here's the thing. For any of you that watch Orange is the New Black, it's like that lady Judy King that they put in there, and they put her in her private room, and she had her own coffee maker and everything because she was a celebrity, and she was drawing oh, okay. attention. Well, so it was probably and just was like kind that. Of a celebrity at this point. Well, she was definitely a celebrity because mm-hmm. she was fucking. Well, or, or they were scared that she was going to kill him. <laughs> so and they didn't let her work in the kitchen. <laughs> she even went as far. No, probably not. Uh, she even went as far. She was so sure that she was going to be found innocent that before trial, she packed her belongings ready to go home. Well, you know, you got a 50-50 shot. It's been real. You, I'm going <laughs> to take my shit and get. You want, if you get, if, if you're, you know, if they find you innocent or not guilty, you want to get out of there as soon as possible. You don't want to be packing and, you know. Well, yes. She don't like long goodbyes. Well, here, and my question is, did she pack a bag to go in? <laughs> Apparently. Oh, my gosh. So Sorry. this jury, well... She really, really overestimated her appeal because the jury was made up of 11 women and one man. Oh. And if it, if we are anything as women, oh, we can yeah. be bitchy oh, yeah, to each yeah. other. She would have done much better with 11 men and one woman. Oh, much better. Um, but not one of them batted an eye when the exhibits were passed around for them to examine, despite them consisting uh, of a jar containing Albert Palmer's brain and bottles filled with some of Jacob Wagner's oh, internal man. organs. I wonder if they still have that. I bet they do. They're in somebody's basement. Oh, my God. I'd love to see that. Uh, let's see. That was not to be, however. At the conclusion of the trial on October 29, 1937, the jury retired and needed less than three hours. They didn't even get a lunch voucher. They didn't. Nope, to reach a decision. They were probably afraid to eat after that trial. You know that's right. I'm cooking my own shit from now on. Uh, Guilty, with no recommendation for mercy. Oh, my gosh. I bet, you know, and I bet she was just one of those, oh, oh. Well, I I bet there was all these, you know, homely women on the jury. Really? Yeah. That's what we're saying? And, and that they're all jealous very, of her? They're jealous of this very attractive young you think lady. That's innocent it? young lady. Or who got you know, who got caught up in something that was, you know, a, a beyond her control and uh, You think that's what happened? I would probably I, you know I would probably dated this woman. Oh, I think oh, definitely. I yeah. think you've dated many like her. You're lucky you're not dead. <laughs> I am. I really am. Or brain damage <laughs> worse from all the shit that they feed you. But no, you know what it is? No. We don't 
you know what? Women don't take that shit. We got another woman sitting up there giving us all a bad name. Fuck her. Yeah. Let her go. Yeah, you're not. You're not. You're, where guys will fall for that, the you know, the tears and stuff. Other women. Is, no, we're we're yeah. hard hearted that and way. And, and the prosecutors probably knew that when they helped select the jury. Well, especially when, and my guess is they put Oscar up, put little Oscar up there who skipped up there. Yeah. Basically, and just said, oh, yeah, we went Oscar out Oscar at this point's a North. At this point. Because, you know, his, doc, his dad, the doctor, yeah. <laughs> died yeah. when he was born. Well, and he should go back to Germany. What was he going to do in Germany? I don't what know, but he, he had family he might be able to eat or live somewhat I'm of sure a normal he's life. Of eating, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. Send him back to Germany so he can have a decent meal. Bitch was probably trying to poison him. He's probably got, like, one little arm and yeah, a go short back to Germany. He's going to go back to Germany. He's going to be a Nazi. I mean, that's a nice Yeah, thing. but, no, the Nazis won't take him because she's poisoned him, so, like, his limbs aren't growing right. All right. I don't think she poisoned him. I think that that is a distinct possibility. Who needs that baggage? <laughs> she took out any insurance on him, then you've got to worry. Then you got to worry. <laughs> So, uh, she was now a convicted murderer and awaited her court appearance for sentencing. Her only hope was a long prison sentence. Um, they, at the time, they were reluctant, and they are now, they were reluctant to send a woman to death. Right. Yeah, well, uh, men get the death penalty a lot more frequently than women. But no woman had been executed in Ohio's electric chair. Old Sparky, which I'm sure is not an original nickname. No, you know, Old Sparky is the name of, like, 13 other electric chairs in uh, other states. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not original. But the, the uh, like I said, the, they started using that in 1897. So it had been around about 40 years. By she that did, point. and they had never executed a woman. Right. Uh, well, I have been the second state to use the electric chair to replace hanging as the preferred method of yeah. execution. How would you, would you rather an electric chair or a hanging? Oh, electric chair. Hanging takes you a minute. Like hanging, yeah, but a, a electric chair takes some your neck too. has to snap. I don't. Why don't they just shoot you in the face or your head or firing something. squad? Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot them through the eye. Or, or you know what would be torturous is being on death row and uh, being cellmates with Chuck. Oh my god, <laughs> I, that, feel that's like, a, that's I feel like that now. That's cruel and unusual. I feel like that now. That's unconstitutional. Because you know our offices are on the same oh, yeah. side of the belt. Yeah. I feel a little like that now. So yeah, you've got a you've got a constitutional grievance. I am. I'm damn. I'm up for sainthood. Yes, you are. At some point, because yes. I've performed many many miracles. Yes, you haven't killed so anybody. many miracles. That's a miracle. So many miracles. They're great miracles. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful miracles. I perform them all the time. Is Miracle Whip a miracle, or is it just? I don't a- think it is. I think it's just nasty. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. just nasty. Right, so Annie was hopeful was hopeful that the judge would instead sentence her to a lengthy prison sentence. Mm-hmm. So, so she figured with good behavior or a successful appeal, she'd be out while she was still young to enjoy her life. Yeah, so go away for a few years and then get out and you know get him back into nursing. Well, sure, because yeah. that's her calling. <laughs> It is. Uh, but Annie would be disappointed. On November 10th, 1937, she was sentenced to die in, Spar- in Old Sparky. Say what? Yeah, with an execution date set for less than 30 days. December 7th, 1937. Hey, there must be some kind of mistake. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That's what I think we should do now. Anybody on death row, you know what? Then we need to have... There needs to be like one week a year where we say, okay, anybody's running out of appeals? Let's go. Line them up. She's like, that's like three weeks. Line them up. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm sure there must be some mistake. You know, you'd think there would be. Yeah, did she uh, take it gracefully? Well, no. She went hysterical. 
Really? As women are wont to do. <laughs> she went hysterical. Um, and <laughs> poor little Oscar, who is now a ward of the state, <laughs> is just sitting there looking at his mom like... Everybody can eat. He can eat breakfast without... In peace now, right. Without being too nervous. Ugh. Annie was transferred to death row, the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus, to await her fate. She filed appeals... Uh, but the court said, fuck off. They're, they didn't do anything. They didn't even, they didn't even do anything. They didn't even them. listen to her. No. Yeah. Uh, prior to execution day, one of her pajama legs had to be slit to permit the attachment of one of the electrodes. Yeah, that's when you know it's getting close, when they start coming in and cutting off your clothes. They couldn't They couldn't do it that day. Like, well, they have to do it a couple days in advance. Yeah, for the, they didn't let you think about it, I guess. What the fuck? <laughs> Plus, it ruins a good pair of pajamas. Well, it does. So why would they do it at any point? I don't know. Well, anyway. I don't make the rules. On the morning of the day itself, another guard cut away some of her hair on the back of her neck to uh, accommodate the other electrode. Uh, that's really... Now, they, 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 they shave your head now, don't they? I don't know. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I know they used to for the electric chair. I don't know if they do for lethal injection. I don't think so for lethal injection. Um... So as time approached, she was so near to collapse that she had to be supported as she was led to the execution chair. Yes. She she wasn't a profile in courage. It sounds like she was no. dragging her feet all yeah. the way through, all the way to the electric chair. Yeah. So, you know, she was led, she got to the execution chamber and she just collapsed. It just completely. I feel faint. Yeah. I got the vapors. Her escort, well, no, it'd be, I got the, she was she German. I can't do a German uh, accent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> yeah. Her escort huh, managed to prevent her from falling on the floor and as quickly as possible placed her in the electric chair. Let me tell you, you know, you see all these, you know, dead men walking and all that stuff yeah. and they're walking to the, the gas chamber. If it's me, I'm, they're going to be dragging my ass the oh, whole for way. Sure, yeah. I'm going to be screaming. I'm going to be grabbing all the t- anything I yeah. can grab onto on the floor, no, no, walls, no, no, no. Yeah. on people's legs. Yeah, yeah. Here's, I'm going to be crying. It's, 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 it's not going down. It's not going to be uh, any. I'm putting on a brave face for me. But picture this though. But you know, being the one thing of being my age, 55. Sure. I could kill somebody, and I'd outlive all my my. my uh, or I would not outlive all my appeals. Oh, well, that's so. Nice. I there's very little chance of me ever dying in unless they unless you do something so grievous that they go, yeah, put him next. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I could drag it out probably my on my whole natural life. Yeah. So don't fuck with me. That's what I'm saying. Oh, is that what you're is that what you're doing? Because you're a bad motherfucker. I mean, I, I, okay. Now, hold okay. hold. Let, just picture this. You know, Sicily, 1942. Okay. Picture this. Columbus, 1937. Yeah. So. Her escort prevented her from falling on the floor and as quickly as possible threw her up in the electric chair. <laughs> Let's get this stopping her, strap her in. And stopping her from slumping forwards. So he's holding this bitch Aww. up and they're strapping her in. I felt a little bad for her again. Uh, no. And momentarily she recovered and she cried, Don't do that to me. Which I'm sure some of her patients did that too. Wow! Uh, but the prison warden, sympathetic, she was despite, only thirty. I mean, you know. See, this is why you date these nut bit, these nut job bitches, because you have excuses just because she's pretty. If she was cross-eyed with a hair lip, you'd be sitting there going fryer, fryer, toaster. Uh, I would not. You I would absolutely say that. would. I, I was absolutely. That she's a very attractive young lady, and that she had some value. 
Yeah, I think mm-hmm. she's wasted she, her value. She makes my man very happy. Well, she tried to make several men very happy, and they all ended up making her very happy. I'm sure she could have been a rebuild. So she got all it kinds of a chance. Shit. So she got all kinds of indignant. Don't do that to me. Yeah. But the prison warden, sympathetic despite the appalling crime she committed, replied, "Yeah, I'm sorry, but we can't help it." Well, you know, he's he's kind of slipping slipper his number. <laughs> I'm sorry, sweetie. He's in home care. Sweetie, I don't want to electrocute you, but, you know, it's, it's the governor. What can I say? Um, let's see. It's the state. As the black mask was placed over her face, Aww. she felt her hand held by the priest. Aww. Although doubtless longing to... Did, what Did you write this? Although doubtless <laughs> longing to have his comforting grasp until the very last moment. Yes, you know what? He's up there, Faulkner. <laughs> she's out for a little right. compassion at the final moments she gets of no her compassion. life. The final moments of her life. Nevertheless. She's about she, to, to meet her maker. She wants some comfort. Well... She, you know, at least finally she started caring about somebody else because she told him, be careful, Father, you'll be killed. <laughs> so I think he'd have figured that, out not to hold her. That is the kind of person that she was, always caring about others. Oh, give her to the end. As he moved away, the warden gave the signal. She jerked against the restraining Aww. straps as a powerful... Shut up! It's just very gruesome. As the powerful current surged through her body. In accordance with regulations, two doctors monitored her condition using stethoscopes and with, within seconds confirmed her death. Oh. Anna Marie Hahn became the first woman to die in the Ohio electric chair. Sad ending. Shut up. It was a sad Why ending. Why does it take two doctors to say that she's dead? Well, because one of them might be incompetent. You know, it was it sad for George Obendorfer? Or for, let's see, who else have we got here? Jacob Wagner? It was all for. No, it wasn't. <laughs> or for Olive Luella. <laughs> I, my God. It was all circumstances. She went in eating some she ice brought, cream. She brought the lady some ice cream, and all around they twisted around to something evil. She brought her ice cream. She bought the guy beers. She brought some chocolate to her ex-mother-in-law. I'm telling you, if this if this chick had a cock eye and a hair lip, you would be over there going, fry her up. That's just fine. That's just fine. I'm not going to hurt her say, face. I'm just saying that the young lady should have been given the opportunity to be rehabilitated. Oh, I think she was she, given. She could contribute to society, She and this way it does no one any good. And it leaves poor Oscar an orphan. Well, Oscar was pretty much an orphan the moment he stepped foot on U.S. soil because this bitch clearly did not care what was going on with Oscar. And she was, you know, she had a, a, a gambling addiction. She yes. had a, an opiate addiction. Uh, those are illnesses. And then she, she should have gone to rehab. She should have said yes, yes, yes to rehab and gone to, you know, paradise in Malibu to have to get her <laughs> to get a rehab on. All right. Do you have any final thoughts on Anna Hahn, better known as Arsenic Anna? No, I don't. I think I've expressed all my thoughts. Yeah, you're pretty harsh. I would not want you on my jury. I don't have time. I would object to you being on my jury. I'm telling you, I don't have time for ne'er-do-wells. I mean, as soon as you walk in, I tell my attorney, all right, don't even question her. I do not have time for ne'er-do-wells. Hold up the objection card. I don't think that's how it works. Well, if, if, you, were, if you were a lawyer, you would know that. Uh, listen, let me put this straight. I graduated law school. <laughs> I still have. You know, it's 10 years. 
the reason why this story is interesting that we did talk about is that one of the prosecutors was Simon Lease, who is a legend here in Cincinnati. It was his father. Simon Lease uh, was... Uh, uh, Simon Lease Sr. Sr. And Simon Lease Jr. went to the same law school that I went to. Simon Lease Jr. and Sr. went to the no, same law school? Uh, junior. Junior went to the same and law school. And his picture issue. is on the wall because they put all the graduates' pictures on the wall. And my picture is on the Samuel P. Chase College of Law because I graduated there. It's the only accomplishment I've had my whole life. I still I graduated 10 years ago, and I still have not uh, opened my diploma. So I'm guessing I graduated because I've. it's you, in one of those little tubes. Do you wonder if maybe there's a bill in there? No, I guess I should open it at some point, but well, I, I keep waiting for something like a profound moment to open it because it was, you know, it was a kind of an accomplishment, but I've never opened it. Why don't we throw it in the kiln when they burn your body? Maybe when I retire, the day I retire, we'll open it. That is, and you can be there when it's kind of like uh, opening uh, Al Capone's vault with uh, Gerardo Rivera. With nothing in it? Is there not going to be anything in it? Oh, I would be pissed if there's nothing in there because I, I owe $120,000 yeah, for that piece of paper. Because you've hung your hat on graduating law school even though you're, you're not a lawyer, which I, I think is just crazy talk. Yeah, but I got my picture on the wall. I'm, I, I got my pictures on several walls, okay? <laughs> the post office. Bathroom walls, the post office, a couple <laughs> convenience stores. You know, it's not that big a deal. But anyway, Simon Lease, who uh, senior was a uh, was an assistant attorney or assistant prosecutor on that case with Annie Hall. His son, uh, of course, is a legend here in Cincinnati. He became he was a prosecutor for a long time, and he was a sheriff for a long time. I mean, he just retired what a few years ago. Not long ago. And uh, he, of course, was famous for uh, his character for, uh, well, he had took um, Larry Flint, the pornographer, to you know the court and had long battles. Will we say pornographer? Yeah, at the time. I think it's just art. art. Well, that's what Larry Flint would say. Alternative too. art. But if you've seen the movie, uh, The People versus Larry Flint. Who Simon, played Simon Lease? Simon Lease was played by um, the political... Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, the James Carville, the political consultant. He played Simon Lease in that movie. And, of course, uh, Larry Flint was played by um, Harry uh, or um, Woody Harrelson. And uh, it's a true story. You are correct. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Larry, the people first of Larry Flint and um, uh, Kurt Cobain's wife. Yeah, Courtney Love, that Courtney hot Love, train wreck. She played Larry Flint's love interest in that movie. Yeah, but, his wife, uh, wasn't his it? wife. But um, that that movie was based upon the the trials of Larry Flint here in Cincinnati, of which Simon Lee was the lead, lead prosecutor. And like I said, he was played in a movie by James Carville. So there's a little connection to that. His dad was involved in the prosecution of Annie Hahn, and a successful prosecution, as it turned out, of Annie Hahn. So. There's a little trivia for you, Brandy. That's amazing. Where can people find us? You can find us on Facebook. Yeah, we have two pages on Facebook. We have the History Degrees page where we post a lot of real history-related topics. And then we have the History Degrees group, uh, the History Degrees, the podcast group. You can join, and uh, we, you know, we interact there, and there's a lot of fun people there. And uh, it's mostly just listeners of the podcast, and we have a good time. So please join us there. Where else can people find us? Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Yes, and if you go on iTunes, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. It helps people find us. Yes, Stitcher. Stitcher. Yes, we're on Stitcher. Twitter. 
Uh, we're on Twitter. We're at, uh, at History Dweebs One. We were part of podcast or Pottern Family, which is a, um, a group on uh, Twitter that uh, promotes podcasting. So I didn't part, know that. Yeah, we're part Look of that. Us. And uh, we get a lot, of, a lot of, you know, we retweet other podcasts and other podcasts retweets ours. So, uh, it, again, it helps get the word out. We appreciate your listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.